so I, I went to Swansea University and um, the year after I graduated, I stayed around in, in Swansea and I did um, a thing called Relay. So I was a Relay worker. Relay um, is a, a 10-month discipleship training program based with UCCF, so with the Christian unions um, all around the UK. So I stayed on in, in Swansea for a year volunteering uh, to work with a staff worker. So a full-time staff worker would uh, meet with me, would disciple me, uh, so then I would be able to meet with students and disciple them as well. So relay, kind of passing on the gospel. So I was a relay worker, and part of that um, year was you had three training conferences during the year. You had one at the beginning, kind of at the end of August. You had one in the middle in January, and you had one at the end in what well, the beginning of June sometimes. So three training conferences. And I still remember it was a hugely significant year, for me in lots of ways, but I still remember walking into the first meeting room at the first relay training conference. So there were 66 of us relay workers, one for each book of the Bible um, that year, easy to remember. And just <clears throat> this room full of, so people my age, but just, just incredible people, incredibly gifted and excited and just amazing people that had given up a year um, to work with Christian unions and to kind of work with Jesus. So I remember walking in to, um, to that first meeting room, 65 other relay workers. And I remember seeing uh, there was Andrew. Now he was, he was dead sporty. He, he, he was there with Christians in sports. So he kind of wore tracksuits all the time. And um, <clears throat> he was just obviously just great at sport. So uh, he, was, he was fit, certainly fitter than me. And I knew as soon as I saw him, uh, this guy Andrew, as soon as I saw him, I thought, okay, I've got to be really careful when I play football against him because he's going to destroy me on the football field. So either I'm going to have to try like extra hard to be good and flash or I'm just not going to play football at all if he's playing. That's Andrew. There was also um, a guy called Dan. Now, Dan was um, another ginger guy, so I thought, okay, that's a connection. Um, but he was from Oxford. He was from Oxford, an Oxford grad. So he was, he was basically a genius and um, that is where our commonalities ended. So I saw him, Dan is this Oxford guy. I thought, well, I've got to be careful how I speak to him um, because he's just going to embarrass me. He's so clever, so sharp. I just, I need to watch what I talk. I need to kind of control what we talk about so then he won't embarrass me too much. Um, and then, yeah, there was John. And John was this great guy, really lovely guy. Um, and you knew that he was lovely and just particularly holy because he was going out with a staff worker. And that was just like mind-blowing. A relay worker going out with a staff worker. This guy must be... I mean, he is incredible, but he, he just must be off the scale. So his life is basically sorted already. And I'm just turning up at the beginning of this year. But then also there were some of the geeks in the room and you think, well, they probably did IT. And unless we speak about IT things, I'm probably going to not kind of be made to feel stupid. I didn't have to try hard at sport because I don't think they probably did play any sports. So maybe I'll start hanging around with them. Um, and that's just the first five minutes. And then the year goes on and, and you, you, know, you go to the second relay training conference and it kind of feels the same. And then you get to the third one. And by the end of the year, you know how many, you know how many um, kind of Bible study one-to-ones that you've done during the year. And you know how many talks you've done to how many people. 
maybe you know how many people in your Christian union have become Christians. And you, you just know all of these things as you go into the last training conference in June. And I was pretty excited that I'd had, you know, a, a brilliant year meeting up with, you know, a couple of dozen students with one-to-ones and Bible studies. Uh, we had done some mission weeks. <clears throat> so I was feeling pretty good about this third relay training conference. And so we go in and you just get talking. And I was talking to Jo and uh, she was about to head out to Spain. Uh, she'd be there for 10 years working with students. And um, <clears throat> you talk about kind of being fruitful and being useful for the Lord you know, I had done a couple of dozen one-to-ones in Swansea. Joe was going to Spain for 10 years. But also I spoke to a guy called Pete. And um, <clears throat> Pete was just incredibly talented, incredibly gifted. And he was going to, straight after Relay, he was going to be a staff worker. Like, wow. I'm just, I'm just going to do an admin job. But Pete has just done relay and he's going to be a staff worker. Then I spoke to Johnny. Now, Johnny was about to go over to Italy for a year. So I was going to move to Cardiff and do admin. He was going to go to Italy and then he was going to get married to another relay worker called Kath. So his his life was sorted as well. He'd, He'd planned it out. Italy, married to another relay worker, sorted. And that's just the first five minutes of that training comments but it's just all messy isn't it and I wonder if you found that even with when these four guys were stood at the front sharing how they struggle with the comparison game maybe you were there thinking I do that I do that well at least I don't do that (laughs) well why do they think that I'm so much worse than we just it's just messy isn't it just all the time completely messy but this whole mess that goes on in our heads and in our hearts, that's what we call the comparison game. It's in my heart every time I walk into a room. Literally. If I walk into a room, I am playing the comparison game in my heart and it's absolute poison. Absolute poison. The rule, we all know the rules to the comparison game, don't we? Thou shalt compare and compete. <laughs> Simple. That's the rules of the comparison game. Compare and compete. And it's not just me that does it. It's not probably not just us that do it. Like we all do it, but even the Bible is, is full of people that play the comparison game. You could almost pick anybody, any character in the Bible, and in some way they will have this compare and compete comparison game. But just think of Cain and Abel. So right near the beginning, they both bring offerings to God. Abel brings his out of the delight of his heart and God accepts and blesses him. Cain just brings whatever he can find and and God doesn't bless him. Cain is immediately thinking, right, when I'm comparing what we brought, what was wrong with what I brought? But he's comparing himself with his brother. He's comparing the blessing that God gave him and didn't give him. And it's just comparing and they compete to such an extent that Cain kills Abel. Or jump... A little further in the Bible, think about King Saul. So Saul was king of Israel. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was the king of Israel. And there's this little kid called David who grew up. And they were kind of close. But there was this song that people used to sing about Saul and David. Uh, I don't know the tune, but the words were, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And you read this account of 
Saul as king. And it's horrible because he's, he's constantly comparing himself to David. He's constantly competing. So he spends his whole life just trying to wipe David out. Everything in his life is about comparing and competing. And that story is repeated all the way through. It didn't even talk about Adam and Eve at the beginning. You've got other people, man, all the way through. All the way through the Bible, they play the comparison game. And we all play it. And it's poison because it makes everybody else a threat. Now, we don't use that word when we play the comparison game. In our heart. I, I, don't, I don't say, okay, you're a threat, you're a threat, you're a threat. But that's what, it, well, that's what happens. That's the poison of the comparison game. So whether you're in the office or in a sports team, whether you're in a classroom or at the school gate or in a pub or at your dining room table, we play the comparison game and it's poison. And we're not even immune to that here in Trinity Chippenham, are we? One of the things that I love <clears throat> about Trinity, uh, this church, is that we have kind of stated and written down values and like a vision. So every church, every organisation, every group has values that drive what they do. But not everywhere is it written down. But we have some written down. There's some there. And we're going to put just some on the screen uh, now in a second. Um, but really these things, which are just going to be taken from the website, they're just our values um, of just what drives us. So what kind of church do we want to be like? So we want to see um, everyone transformed by the glorious love of the Trinity. And that looks like kind of those values, loving God. But particularly look at this one, loving one another. So I'll, I'll read it. <clears throat> we treasure our relationships with each other in the church community. We want to invest time to build healthy relationships characterised by authenticity and grace. We want to build strong households, which includes godly singleness, marriage and parenting. We want to carry each other's burdens. We want to equip everyone to play their part in the church. We want to develop servant leaders in team-led ministry. That's what we think as a church it looks like to love one another, treasuring our relationships with each other. How good does that sound? Isn't that just something just beautiful about treasuring and cherishing each other so that we can flourish and grow just beautiful, but, but we're not there yet, are we? And the thing is that if we keep playing the comparison game, if this comparison game poison is in this church, we are never going to get to that place because the comparison game is going to kill us. The comparison game will kill Trinity Chippenham because, because either <clears throat> we will just compete with each other, either we'll do all we can to look like we've been transformed by the glorious love of the Trinity. Or we'll sit in the corner and we'll hide because we're inadequate and we're fearful of even trying. So we'll compete by running hard and racing and, or we'll just sit in the corner and not even try anything. See, comparing and competing, that's, that's the poison of, of the comparison game. Is there any way to stop the poison? Is it possible for, for any of us to, to live lives of love that God calls us to and that is described in those values? One of the really cool things about being a relay worker in these conferences was at the very last conference, um, there's Bible teaching and pretty much the only other thing in 
this training conference was for all the relay workers to share something that they've learned or, or enjoyed about their year. So the, every relay worker has three minutes, quite a strict three minutes, um, to present, summarise their year. And it's just a great time you have, again, 60-odd uh, people and they're sharing stories, encouragements, ups and downs, things that have been helpful, things that have been exciting. Um, and, and I got to do that as well. And, and, and really, there were a couple of verses that really stick out for me as I think about my, my relay year. We used to talk about the comparison game lots uh, on our relay year uh, with other relay workers and with, with our staff workers as well. And there was a couple of verses that just came back to me just constantly through, through that year. And, and there were the verses that I shared in my three-minute presentation. The verses in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you want to uh, grab, <clears throat> grab your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. So Hebrews was, um, was a sermon that was preached to mostly, mostly Jewish Christians. So it was a sermon written down, uh, preached to, to Jewish Christians about not giving up. Uh, there was this huge temptation in the first century to, to stop looking at Jesus and so instead be, be drawn from looking at Jesus, drawn kind of back into, into a life of, of, of self-focus, a life of really just a life of religion. That, that's all a religious life is really, just that comparing and competing with each other in however you define your religion. And that's really what he, the whole of Hebrews is about. And you get to Hebrews chapter 11. And, and Hebrews chapter 11 is this incredible kind of museum of faith. Kind of the, one of the great chapters of faith in the Bible. It's, it's a Madame Tussauds full of Bible people who, whose faith and whose focus was on the Lord who saves. That was, and really if you, if you look at Hebrews 11 when you get home, it's just packed full of individuals and groups whose faith and focus was on the Lord. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll read verses 1 and 2. So these are the verses that I shared after my relay year, and these are the verses that we'll look at this morning. Therefore, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let's run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I think all that's saying to us this morning is don't play the comparison game. But instead, let's together look to Jesus, who's on his throne. Together, look to Jesus, who's on his throne. The preacher says to, to, that we, we need to throw away anything that gets in the way. Anything that gets in the way of looking at Jesus. It's no use trying to run a marathon if you're wearing moon boots. Even if you have the most comfortable moon boots known to man, you're not going to get very far because they're just going to get in the way. They're going to slow you down. They're going to stop you from getting to where you need to go. We lay aside every weight and sin 
that clings so closely. And instead, together, look to Jesus, who's on his throne. It's a simple question, really. What, what gets in the way of you seeing Jesus? What gets in the way of you seeing Jesus clearly? For some of us, that's, that answer is going to be really obvious. It is going to be a sin which clings so closely to us. To the thing that you're probably thinking of right now, maybe that's the obvious answer. The sin that clings so closely gets in the way. But maybe, well probably for all of us, we need to reject things that are a bit more subtle. A a bit more kind of of, of that comparison game that that kind of eats away, that, that poison that eats away at us. So maybe... Maybe for some of us, we need, to, we need to reject kind of being cool or being seen as cool. Maybe we need to reject being seen at all. Maybe we need to reject kind of being visible all the time. Maybe, maybe we need to throw off as individuals and as a church. Maybe we need to be throwing off the, the, the hiding behind a fear of failure. So we see other people that are succeeding however we define succeeding and we think well I'm not even going to get anywhere like like me and Angie the sporty guy I'm not going to get anywhere near him playing football so I'm just going to not going to play football we need to throw that fear of failure off maybe some of us need to stop chasing that dream of of comfort maybe maybe that you know, the thing that we think, well, if, if only I had this, then I would be okay. If only I had this, then me and Jesus would be okay. And those guys that were, like John, who was dating, is now married to the staff worker. Or Johnny and Kath, who are going to get married. If, if, I, if I just had that, if I just had that relationship, then me and Jesus would be fine. If I just had this house, this family, this anything, this dream... We need to throw that off because it just gets in the way. We just need to look at Jesus. Anything that gets in the way or blurs your vision of Jesus, just lay it aside, put it down. And that's especially true with the comparison game because it's poison. But we're only going to stop playing the comparison game if our hearts have been won by Jesus. Because it's easy just to say, okay, today I'm not going to play the comparison game. I'm going to make sure I play it better than them. Oh man, I played it, right. Well, I need to, I'm not going to play it as well as that. We just always do it, don't we? We're not going to just stop playing the comparison game unless in our hearts, in our deepest desires, and our focus is, is on Jesus. So, so it'll be easy for me this morning to just stand and say, okay, just stop playing the comparison game. Look at Jesus. And I'll probably say that two or three times. Stop playing the comparison game. Make sure you look at Jesus. And then we'd sing again and we would pray and we would go home and we'd be thinking, okay, stop the comparison game. Look, look at Jesus. And maybe that would work for about two minutes. So instead of doing that, instead of me telling you to stop playing the comparison game, instead of me telling you to look at Jesus, let's actually look at Jesus. Is that okay? We'll actually look at Jesus. And let's compare the comparison game with Jesus which kind of sounds a bit weird, we're going to play the comparison game by comparing the comparison game with Jesus. 
just to see, okay, which is better? Which, is our, which of those is our hearts going to want? To keep playing the comparison game or our hearts going to see Jesus and say, actually, I want you. The comparison game is, is poisonous because it robs us of security. So in my heart, too often, in my heart, I define my faith. Particularly, I define how, how strong faith is in me. So I walk into a room and I look at you and immediately in my heart, I'm deciding if I'm up or down. Is my faith strong enough? I'm not really sure. Okay, so let me look at you. Is it stronger than yours? Probably not as strong as theirs. So it robs us of security because some days, well, some days I'm up, some days I'm down. Just never, never sure how I'm doing because I'm always comparing myself with you. But Jesus is different. What does Hebrews 12 say? Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, not me. See, he defines our faith. It's he that gives us our faith. He grows our faith. So when we're talking about faith, don't compare and compete with other people about our faith. Faith is you see Jesus and you say, wow, yes. And your faith is safe in Jesus. It's, it, it's safe. Even, just, even the weakest yes to Jesus is safe because, because he is safe, because he is strong. Uh, your faith is safe in Jesus. You are safe in Jesus because you are in Jesus. See, the comparison game robs us of security, but when we see Jesus, the author and perfecter, the, the hero, the champion of our faith, it's him. It's not you and it's not me. The comparison game <clears throat> is also poisonous because it robs us of joy. So there's no security in the comparison game and there's no joy. I mean, think about it. If you play the comparison game all the time, <clears throat> when do you ever celebrate? You can't, can you? Because you've always got to compare and you've always got to compete. And even if you have a slightly good day or a slightly good few minutes, that went really, really well. You think, oh yeah, but what about them? And you're comparing and competing against them. You, you can't, Enjoy the comparison game. There's no joy. It's just a constant, constant running of comparing and competing. But what about with Jesus? Well, the preacher in Hebrews says, Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame for the joy that was coming. He goes on to say, well, Jesus shares that joy with us. With Jesus, there is joy. Not joy in, in personal safety or success. That wasn't the joy that Jesus was looking forward to. Not in personal success or safety. Jesus' joy was in his father's delight. Jesus was killed on a Roman cross. He was cursed by God so that his bride, which is me and you, could share his joy. See, the comparison game, it's not just that it 
robs us of <clears throat> joy. It just doesn't offer any joy. Maybe fleeting. You know, the joy of getting one up on someone for a few seconds. But with Jesus, Jesus, there is there is joy. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The comparison game will never end. But with Jesus, you go to him and you stop. And you stop at his feet. You stop at his heart that beats for me and you. And there's joy, the real joy that lasts. Whatever anyone else is doing, if you want to put yourself on a list or a pecking order, that's fine. But with Jesus, there's joy. It doesn't matter where you are on a list. It doesn't matter where you sit or where you stand in a church service. There's real joy in Jesus. Another thing the comparison game <clears throat> uh, robs us of is, is community. And I think with everything that we've said so far this morning, that, that's probably quite obvious because, like we said earlier, the comparison game makes you a threat. So I walk into a room. Let's say I walk into church, just with you guys. And instead of seeing you as my community, as my church family, brothers and sisters... If I'm playing the comparison game, you are each a threat to me. Either you're a threat to my confidence because you're better than me at something or you're a threat to my holiness because I'm better than you at something and I don't want to come anywhere near you because you might get me icky. That's what the comparison game does. We walk even into even to this church. You walk in and you think, okay, I don't want to be near you because you're better than me and I don't really want to be near you because you're worse than me and... You, just that mess destroys community. But Jesus is different. Where is Jesus now? So Hebrews 12, where is Jesus now? We look to Jesus. Where is he? He's on his throne. Uh, it's a throne of authority. Of course it is. Nothing happens without Jesus. That's obvious. But it's not, it's not a throne that's a long way away. But the throne that Jesus is on is a throne of, of family. It's a throne of, of community, a, a throne of, of access. See, Jesus, the king, is the lamb on his throne. Jesus is the lamb of God. He is the innocent one, the innocent one that was pierced for my transgressions, who rules the universe, but with love. And his love and being with him is greater than the fleeting pleasures of any sin. And so together we can look to him who is our everything. And when we do that, everything else melts away. So as we're driving to church and we feel the pressure building already of having to compete with people, when we feel that competition as we walk into any room, and it can be at work, it could be at life group. When you feel the pressure and the competition, those things will melt away when we see Jesus because he's the lamb upon his throne. He is our everything. See, I am safe in Jesus. That's what a Christian is. If you're a Christian, you are safe in Jesus. So why would I compete with you? Why would I compete with you when we both have Jesus? 
Jesus is my everything, and if he's your everything, I'm not going to compete against you. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to pick you up. See, the comparison game destroys community, and it will destroy this church. But Jesus... Jesus brings us closer to each other because he brings us close to him. See, as soon as we walk into a room and do that comparing and competing thing, then we've lost sight of Jesus. And the answer isn't just deep breath, I've got to look at Jesus. The answer is just look at Jesus. Be reminding each other of who Jesus really is. Just look at Jesus. My relay year <clears throat> was quite a long time ago now, um, but it was it was amazing. It was such a good year. I, I learned I learned so much about myself, about who Jesus is. It was just a brilliant, incredible year, serving with brilliant people, sixty five other relay workers who were made just a, a great combination of, of of strong people and weak people, a mixture of people who were incredible and have done incredible things for Jesus in the years since but also in that year they were just kind of normal people like average people people who moved to Cardiff and do admin a whole mixture of people and it was a brilliant year but it was brilliant because we were together the 66 of us were together looking at Jesus who's on his throne that's why Relay was great one of my favorite phrases uh, again, just has come back to me time and time again since my relay year is this. God is God and you are you. Try not to get the two confused. God is God and you are you. Try not to get the two confused. The comparison game makes me God. So if I walk into a room and I'm comparing and competing, or if I'm in a conversation... The comparison game makes me God, but I'm, I'm a rubbish God. See, Jesus, the lamb, is on his throne. So if you're here and you, you do struggle with this comparison game, well, let's together look at Jesus. Because whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you put yourself on this comparison game scale, Look to Jesus. If you go to him, he will accept you. You will be welcomed. You'll be safe with him. With Jesus, there is no comparing. There is no competing. Jesus is safe. Because his love is incredible. Is Trinity Chippenham a comparison game church? Well, if we are, let's, let's repent together of playing it. Let's turn to Jesus. We're not turning to avoid other people as if that's the answer. Well, if the comparison game is a problem, I just won't be around other people. That's not the problem. See, let's turn together to Jesus. Let's go to God together. Let's ask him for a fresh vision of his beloved son. Maybe read Hebrews, well, the whole of Hebrews, but Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. So well, who, is, who is Jesus? You know, if the answer is looking, it's, 
it's looking at him and, and am I going to be captured by, by him? See, we don't need to compare and compete. It feels like we do. We wake up in the morning and I feel like I need to compare and compete. But in Jesus, we don't. We don't need to. So together, let's look at Jesus, who's on his throne.